0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The 2023 spending bill has a lot to say about federal buildings. Congress is planning for new headquarters for two federal law enforcement agencies. It also refocuses agency plans to consolidate office space and harden physical security. For details, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And Jory, let's start with office space, which the government has a lot of but is not exactly occupying totally these days.
0: Yeah, Congress is really directing the General Services Administration in this spending bill for the rest of fiscal 2023 to really come up with a plan going forward of what those office space needs are going to be in light of lessons learned from the pandemic and this broader comfortability with telework as a concept. And This is something that's been in the works for much of the Biden administration and been in the works, honestly, for multiple administrations, this idea of at one point freezing and then consolidating the federal footprint of office space. And we should get a plan on that pretty soon. Agencies, by the end of last calendar year, were supposed to submit to the Office of Management and Budget a plan of what their office space needs are going to look like through 2028. That is a bit of a voluntary compliance thing. And agencies are a little loathe to say that they are lousy with office space, but we'll have some idea... For the years to come, hopefully soon.
1: Sure. Well, in the district, if you take that as an example, of course, there are federally owned buildings and they're not going to sell those likely. So they have lots and lots of lease space. That's the excess space they can get rid of. GSA has been reducing now for about eight or nine years. They've been steadily pushing down the number of leases. What can we expect from that plan to reduce space even further?
0: Well, you're right on the lease space side of things. GSA has made that a big part of its broader rethinking of federal workspace and through its Workplace 2030 initiative, it's doing just that. They see you know, something in the order of 40% of federal leases expiring in the coming years. And so this is, from their perspective, an opportunity to consolidate on that. But on the own side of things, there's a small but mighty independent agency, the Public Buildings Reform Board, that is getting a second wind here. They are getting $4 million in this omnibus spending bill. And more importantly, they recently have a Forum again, they have five members as of November when President Joe Biden appointed two new members. And so they are able to get back up and running on their recommendations. They have done two rounds of recommendations of high value but underutilized federal space that GSA can then turn around and sell. GSA has made about six sales so far, but there's still much more progress to be made.
1: And let's talk about the federal building security question. That's an always evolving issue. At least you can say that the Federal Protective Service is no longer putting infants through metal detectors anymore, conveyor belts or whatever they did a number of years ago. But nevertheless, the threats do emerge, do evolve. What is Congress saying for the future?
0: Congress is putting a lot of spending into this area. They are giving $2 billion to the Federal Protective Service, which is is a largely fee-funded agency that's part of the Department of Homeland Security. And what this spending is largely going to go towards is installing new security cameras and alarm systems at federal buildings that GSA owns. This is in response to a couple of things. This is in response to a GSA Inspector General report that was heavily redacted, but did say it was on the state of these security systems and these cameras. This is in response to a House Homeland Security Committee hearing in the fall that brought on board some FPS officials, and they said that only about 22% of its security recommendations were implemented by agencies since 2017. This is also in response to an escalation in threats pointed towards federal buildings and federal employees, according to DHS. And this is particularly seen at the FBI, the IRS, and the National Archives and Records Administration.
1: You know, for the average building, You would think that there is a lot of modernizing they could do to physical security. You go to the ballpark nowadays or you go to the uh, Capital One Center. They have these thin little bars standing up and you just walk right through. And whatever metal detection they think they need, it happens instantaneously. You're not allowed to carry a big bag, but if you have a bag, they look in it. And it seems like the federal buildings still use sort of post-2001, say, a 2005 model of getting into facilities. Did the bill speak to that idea of modernizing how they handle it?
0: It does get into that level of detail. But, you know, I think that's an interesting point, Tom, that, you know, the experience of what Going into a you know, private facility versus a government facility, it, it could not be a more night and day type experience.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad. Then there are the perennial issues that seem to come around like a horse on a merry-go-round, and that is the FBI headquarters, the future of that. It was going to go to maybe Maryland, likely, but possibly also Virginia. What's the latest in this bill?
0: Well, what lawmakers are hoping to do is finally get some resolution on what this suburban FBI headquarters is going to look like, and more importantly, where it's going to be. It gives GSA $375 million to construct this headquarters, wherever it's going to be. But it also requires GSA to go through one final step with both parties. It gives them 90 days to sit down with lawmakers from the Virginia side and lawmakers from Maryland. They get to make their final pitch on these three final locations, either in Beltsville, Maryland, Landover, Maryland, or Springfield, Virginia. And one extra criteria that GSA has to consider, this is in the omnibus bill, is they have to consider what the FBI headquarters will mean for the Biden administration's equity agenda. This is something Maryland lawmakers put in to the bill because they argue that putting an FBI headquarters in a majority Black county, Prince George's County, would mean new jobs and spending and things of that nature. And they said this would kind of help balance the scales in this overall consideration. We have seen a little bit of what GSA is already thinking about in this final consideration. One of the criteria is the proximity to the FBI's other facilities, such as its training center in Quantico, Virginia, and the Justice Department's headquarters in downtown D.C.
1: That's a lot of criteria, and you know, the fact is about the economy around those buildings, that can be a very mixed bag. I mean, the Transportation Department many years ago put up a great, big, beautiful couple of buildings with a tunnel underneath in a marginal area of Washington, and not much changed until the ballpark went in, and then you really saw stuff happen. So for the idea that somehow equity is going to be helped by a what's basically will operate like a prison functionally for the new FBI walled-off, fenced-off, ultra-secure headquarters where the first building is 700 yards past the gate. I don't know about that. That remains to be seen. Maybe just an arm-wrestling match between Mark Warner and Chris Van Hollen. That'll help decide where it goes, which state anyway. And then Homeland Security has been wanting a consolidated campus now for Bali, since the Bush administration, what's in the bill about that?
0: Yeah, Congress is really looking to bring a close to this long-planned, long-awaited consolidated campus for DHS. They're looking to give GSA $253 million to continue construction on this consolidated campus. The St. Elizabeth's campus for DHS is the most ambitious federal building project since the Pentagon, and it's been in the works since 2009. It has run into just about every problem you can think of. Underfunding from Congress is a big one, and it's, as a result, had to go through multiple master plans, multiple re-envisionings. Congress is asking for one more of those from DHS, one more master plan. And what's interesting here is they're looking at what the overall occupancy rate is going to be on any given day. The total number of DHS employees are going to be working in person and the total number of DHS employees who will be teleworking. They are really just looking for a resolution to this. They are looking at, at this point, 2026, for the final construction to be completed of this campus. And there are some components of DHS that have In this time, uh, decided to go their separate ways in making their own headquarters.
1: And by the way, the Pentagon was built and occupied in 18 months from groundbreaking. I think they were pouring cement on one end while they were occupying the other end and kind of the donut closed up on them. All right. So a lot to watch for and a lot of jostling still to happen, sounds like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this really does theme around this future of work and as a result the future what that workspace to do that work is going to look like
1: Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And check out his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest... Lessons that you've learned working with that community. Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane. It's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I, uh, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they they basically were in direct care and, and I will say and on I obviously will say about my, my family, my mother, and my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints, uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because we revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities that's just like I mean that's what we that's what we're trying to do we're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and and celebrate differences and that our athletes man are some of the grittiest people that you will meet and and uh and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is is how you'll learn it check us out uh you know uh on on our website uh that will link you to your local program you can follow through the the clicks of how to get involved and where what's closest to you you'll enjoy it i can promise you that Well, thank you very much, Sean. And and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.